Hi guys, uh, Pastor Greg Corcoran here from Battlefield Baptist Church. Uh, pray that this sermon is a blessing, an encouragement, and a challenge to you in your walk with the Lord. Additionally, I just wanted to say that if we here at Battlefield can ever be a blessing to you, please don't hesitate to contact us. And the best way to do that is through our website at battlefieldbaptist.org. Again, I pray this sermon blesses you, encourages you, and uh, that you'll fall more in love with God, more in love with His Word, and more in love with people. Well, isn't it good to be in the Lord's house? Man, it's good. It's been a busy week, and uh, been an eventful week, but uh, it is good to be in the Lord's house. If you have your Bible, turn with me uh, to Hebrews chapter 11 this morning. Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to begin... Uh, a, a new series, so to speak, entitled Faith for Today. You know, faith yesterday was great, and faith tomorrow will be great, but we need faith today, amen? Anybody need some faith? I hear somebody calling. Tell them I said hi. Tell them I said, hey, what's up? <laughs> Tell them they're late for church. <laughs> You're like, pastor said you're late. All right, Hebrews chapter 11. Look with me. We're just going to look really primarily at the first verse, but I want us to begin by reading verse number 1 and verse number 2 of Hebrews chapter 11. Notice what the writer of Hebrews says through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, notice what it says, for by it, the elders obtained a good report. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for the songs that we have sung. And certainly, Lord, we understand that the battle that we face, yes, though it's raging, it belongs to you. And like David of old, we can understand that we can go in your strength and in your power. And so, Lord, I pray that we will build our life upon the foundation of you and your word. And, Lord, that we'll be excited to see what you, what you can do again day after day after day. Lord, I pray that today that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight because you are my strength and you are my redeemer. Lord, I pray that you'll strengthen me, strengthen us all. Open up the eyes of our understanding that we might hear from you today. And we'll be careful to give you the praise for it all. For it's in the precious name of your Son. And for his sake, we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Uh, listen, we, like I said, we're going to start this new series. And over the next several uh, weeks, we're going to be spending some time talking about faith. And in, in reality, Hebrews chapter 11 is a wonderful place to plan ourselves in this quest. Because... The, re, the entirety, really, of this chapter is devoted to the topic of faith. And uh, some of you may have heard of this chapter being referred to as the hall. Well, some of you have. The hall of faith. Like, you know, they have baseball hall of fame, football hall of fame, and on and on. Uh, this is uh, referred to by many as the hall of faith. Only a few of you knew that. That's crazy. Okay. Uh, or else we're just not participating today. All right. Uh, but the reality is, after giving us a definition here at the beginning of what faith is, the rest of the chapter gives us example after example of not only what faith is, but what faith does. And so uh, 
the reality is that we want to see both of those things. So I've, I've set up some goals as we get started. And so if you're a note taker, you might want to remind yourself or take your phone out, take a picture of the goals. Here's a few goals for this series. Number one, I pray that you and I will actually be able to comprehend what faith is and what faith does. What faith is and what faith does. Because at the end of the day, this life, this life in our journey of faith is, is just that. It's a journey of faith, right? Uh, in fact, the Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5 that we walk by faith. 2 Corinthians 1 states that we stand by faith. In Habakkuk 2.4, and then even Paul says it in Romans 1 and Galatians uh, 3, and then even you'll see here in a second in Hebrews chapter 10, he says that we actually uh, live by faith. And as you know, Ephesians 2.8 says that we are saved through or by faith. And so faith is pretty important, amen? And, and the reality is if we're going to walk, if we're going to live, if we're going to stand, if we're going to be saved by faith, then we need to actually know what faith is, and then we need to know what faith does. So number one, that we'll comprehend what faith really is. Number two, I pray that if you've not yet exercised faith from turning from uh, your own sin to the Savior of the world, that through this series, I pray that the Word of God and the Spirit of God will lead you to do so, that people will be saved. And you say, where do you get that? Well, the Bible simply says in Romans 10, 17, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so I pray that people will be saved. Number three, I pray that every one of us, every believer, I pray that our faith will grow. The reality is that each and every one of us are at different stages of life, different, different periods of life, and, and we have grown to a certain level, and maybe, maybe you're, you're just beginning this journey of faith. Maybe you've uh, been a person or a man or a woman of faith for a long time, and you're like, man, I need my faith to grow. Somebody please tell me they need their faith to grow. I guarantee you one thing, you need your faith to grow, just pull out of the parking lot today. You pull out on Route 29, your faith's going to be tested. We need our faith to grow. In Luke chapter 17 and verse number 5, all of the apostles, they said unto the Lord, increase our faith. Listen, may that be the desire of our hearts, that our faith would not be stagnant, that it would not be silent, but that our faith would be growing. So I pray that our faith would grow. I think about when Paul wrote his first letter to the church of uh, the church of the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse number 3, ironically enough, he says that he and Silas and Timothy had given thanks to God because of their work of faith, their labor of love and the patience of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. So he gives thanks for the fact that they had faith. But what's interesting is when he writes his second letter in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse number 3, he doesn't give thanks for their faith. He gives thanks for the fact that their faith is growing. Look at it there. It says, he gives thanks, he says, because that your faith grow exceeding and the charity of love or charity or love of every one of you toward all or each other aboundeth. Listen, Paul was thankful. He was thankful not only because they had faith, but he was thankful in his second letter when he writes back. He's like, hey, I heard your faith is growing. That's amazing. And so he commended them for their faith. Jesus actually likens faith to a grain of mustard seed. If you know what a grain of mustard seed is, you know that it's very, very small. But that seed is still a living thing. And when it's planted and when it's tended to the correct way, it grows. And so I pray that our faith will grow. We will treasure Jesus more. 
and we will treasure the world less. Amen? That we'll treasure him more and we'll treasure the world less. And I put down on my notes when our walk, when our walk of faith, when this journey that we're on in life, when our faith becomes steady and when our faith becomes consistent, we will experience the strength, the stamina, the peace, and the joy that we need for these difficult days in which we are living in. Would anybody agree that we're living in some crazy times? I mean, is 2023 like, like, has everybody gone crazy? Or did that happen three years ago? And we just allowed it to continue. I mean, we are living in some crazy times. Oh, how we need our faith to grow. And then finally, number four, we need to pray that we find strength to endure in these crazy times in which we live. The reality is, Hebrews chapter 11 is actually written to Jewish believers who after coming to faith in Christ, they're facing severe persecutions. Now, if you have your Bible like me, uh, and your Bible is set up the way mine is, if you look over on the opposite page, look with me. I want you to see, because after writing about Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, the fact that His sacrifice is the one sacrifice that's been offered forever for them that believe, right? After realizing this perfect sacrifice of Jesus, that it fulfilled the law, it saved them, and it actually made them righteous in God's, in God's sight, the writer urges them to persevere in this, despite the persecution that they're facing. Now listen, these people were facing stuff, we don't have really, let's be honest, we don't really have a lot of persecution in Fauquier County. Am I right? Prince William County, you're not getting a lot of persecution, and you're even getting less if you live in Warren County. Where are the Warren County people here? Say, hee. Yeah, a couple, y'all. That's how they sound out in Warren County. No, I'm just kidding. I know. It's like, listen, we need faith. And the writer here encourages these believers. He's like, listen, you got to persevere. The persecution is real, but you got to persevere. And you say, where do you get that? Look with me in Hebrews chapter 10 across the page. Because look at verse number 32. Verse 32 reveals that these folks, that they had endured a great fight of afflictions. They were enduring persecution as he's writing this letter. Verse 33 shows that these people had been publicly exposed by reproaches and afflictions. Verse 34 tells us that they actually took joyfully the spoiling of all of their goods. And the reason they took it joyfully is because these people actually understood that in heaven they had a better and a more enduring substance. Isn't that cool? They were able to withstand, they were able to persevere because they understood that what they had in Christ was far better than what they had set up in the living room. You see what I'm saying? That's what they were doing. You say, you don't understand what they're, these people were taking, they were plundering their homes. They were ripping it apart. For those who were, uh, were believers, they were facing serious persecution. And so the writer of Hebrews says, hey, listen, man, although your stuff is getting plundered, although it's being stolen and, and trashed, you got to stand up. You got to continue to persevere. In verse number 36 through these significant trials, look, the writer of Hebrews says, you have need of patience. <laughs> I guess to that they said, duh, we need patience. But you know what's interesting is the word patience doesn't mean patience like you and I think it does. Because here this word patience in the Greek is the Greek word hupomene, and it actually means cheerful endurance. 
So what's he saying? He's saying, hey, listen, while the world's persecuting, while the world's coming at you from left, right, and front, and back, and they're, they're taking your stuff, they're trashing your stuff, they're destroying your homes, and they're coming at you day after day after day, what you need is endurance. And they're probably saying, you're right. We need endurance. But where do we get it? And two verses later, the writer of Hebrews tells them, look at verse 38. The writer of Hebrews says, the just shall live by faith. You need endurance today? In 2023, man, if you're going to get endurance, you got to have faith. Right? It's not just a song from the 80s. you got to have faith that you can endure and persevere no matter what is coming our way. Faith in the one who died and gave himself for us. So when we look at Hebrews chapter 11, we understand that this chapter is actually given and written to strengthen believers who are in the midst of facing some severe persecution. Can I tell you here in the United States of America, we haven't even begun to see persecution. There are people right now, as I'm speaking, who are literally facing horrific persecution like you and I have never thought of or never seen. This is a real thing. You see, the call to follow Christ is not an easy one. And so as we begin this chapter, we discover a couple of things. Look at verse number one. We discover a couple, the answers, actually, to a couple of questions. And in verse number one, it deals with what, is, what, what faith is. And then the rest of the chapter teaches us what faith does. As I said, look at verse number one. It says, now faith is. What's faith? Here it is. Now faith is. It is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. And so, even if you have a different version of Scripture, you can understand this word substance and this word evidence are critical to our understanding of what faith is. So what do they mean? First of all, the word substance, it actually comes from the Greek word hypostasis, and it's a compound word that's put together, and watch this, it means a setting under or a support, like a support system, a foundation. It's an assurance or a confidence. And so, listen, the writer of Hebrews says, listen, faith is this support system. It's this structure, the substructure, if you please. It's the foundation. Watch it. He says here, it's the foundation of things that are hoped for. Anybody hoping for something good to eat at lunch? How many of you have faith you're going to get it? How many of y'all are going to go home and eat a bowl of cereal? <laughs> Which, by the way, I love cereal, so... That's not bad either. This is the substance, what he's talking about. Look at the word evidence. The word evidence comes from the Greek word elikos. It actually means evidence, proof, or conviction. It's a conviction uh, uh, that, that by which a thing is proved or tested. So here it is. Faith is not some uncertainty or some uncertain belief, but it's a firm point of view in the heart and in the mind. It's a sure, as the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse number 19, it's a sure, it's a steady anchor or foundation for us. That's what faith is. We have to understand the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen can be summed up with words like assurance and confidence and conviction. By the way, you cannot become a Christian without faith. Hello? You cannot become a Christian without faith. And can I dare say you cannot live the Christian life without faith. 
You say, where do you get all this stuff? Do you just make all this stuff up? No, because Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6, tells us that it is impossible. That without faith, it's impossible to please him. Speaking of God, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That's the entire verse. But the beginning says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So listen, without faith, you can't become a Christian. And without faith, you cannot live this life of faith but let's be honest every one of us struggle with one word we all struggle with one word that has huge ramifications when it comes to this idea of faith and that word if you want to write down is unbelief you ever struggled with unbelief somebody say i struggled with unbelief only three of you everybody else never struggled with unbelief i got news for you you're fooling yourself if you think you've never struggled with doubt or unbelief. That's what happens. We struggle at times with unbelief. You say, man, I, I want to believe. You know, I, I trust Christ, but, but then this happened. I, I, I want to live for Christ, but this happened. And so what we do is we, we start the sentence, but then we fill in this big blank at the end, and it's nothing more than saying I have unbelief in my life. Turn with me to Mark chapter 9 real quickly. Mark chapter 9. I want you to see this. If you have your Bible, Mark chapter 9. If you don't, you can pull it up on your phone or there's a Bible right there in the back. Mark chapter 9. And as you're turning, Jesus has just returned. When we get in this passage, Jesus has actually just returned down uh, from what we refer to in Scripture as the Mount of Transfiguration. He's got Peter, James, and John with him and as they come down from the mountain, what's taking place is there's, there's literally a, a, basically a mob scene. There's a great multitude of people. They've gathered. There's a commotion that's stirring. And so Jesus and Peter, James, and John, they come down, and the commotion is caused because a man has brought, uh, has brought his son who was, who was possessed with an evil spirit. Uh, and and he, while they were up on the Mount of Transfiguration, he had brought his boy to the other disciples, and for whatever reason, the other disciples had not been able to heal his boy. So the man comes to Jesus, and, and he brings the boy to Jesus. Notice what the Bible says in verse 21 and following. Scripture tells us, and he, Jesus, he asked the father. He said, how long is it ago since this came into him? And he said, of a child. Now, we don't know how old the boy is at this point, but he says, of a child. So it's been with him a long time. Right? Verse 22, and oftentimes it casts him into the fire and into the waters and it destroys him. But watch what the father says. But if, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. So here's the deal. The other disciples were unable to heal his boy, but when the man sees Jesus, he knows there's something different about Jesus. Amen? Hello, when you see Jesus, you're going to figure out there's something different about Jesus. And so he goes to Jesus. He says, hey, listen, if you can do anything, will you help us? Notice Jesus' response in verse 23. He said unto him, if, he throws the if right back at the guy. The guy says, if you can do anything. And Jesus says, well, if you can believe. Right? So he throws it right back at him. He says, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. That word simply means to have faith. In other words, it's possible for you to overcome whatever you're facing today through faith in Jesus Christ. 
It's possible for you to overcome whatever you're facing today through faith in Jesus Christ. He says, if you can believe, if you can believe, all things are possible. When Jesus says, by the way, when he says all things are possible, that's what he means. He doesn't mean some things. He doesn't mean uh, little things or medium-sized things. He means all things, right? And so he says this. Look at verse 24. And straightway, that means immediately, as soon as Jesus tells him this, the father of the child, he cries out. And he's crying out and he says with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Now look at this verse again. The father cries out. Why is he crying out? He's crying out in repentance of his unbelief and he's grieving at the weakness of the fact that he doesn't have a lot of faith. He's like, hold on. I asked Jesus if he could do something. And Jesus says, well, if you can believe, I can, all things are possible. And the man, he's crying out. He says, hold on a second. He says, I struggle with this thing called belief. I struggle with this thing called faith. Hello? Anybody ever been there, done that? He says, I struggle with it. And notice he goes on. It says, and with tears. He says, Lord, I believe. In other words, what he's saying, he's saying, Lord, he says, I'm trusting, I'm entrusting the care of my son to you. Listen, I'm guessing this guy has sought out physicians before that were unable to do these things. We're unable to help his boy. You got to understand the time period. We're not, there's not Fairfax Hospital right up the road that he could run to. And I'm guessing he had sought out help from others before but nothing had worked and so in this moment he cries out and he says lord i believe in other words i'm entrusting i believe and i'm entrusting the care of my son to you and then notice what he says he says help thou my unbelief why did he have unbelief well i can tell you why he had unbelief this boy has had this problem since he was a baby since he was a child and he's probably fed up he's probably thinking nothing can be done so, Lord, I believe I'm going to entrust you with the care of my son, but here's what I need you to do. I need you to help my unbelief because, see, I have a little bit of faithlessness. I have a little bit of disbelief in that anybody can do anything for my son because we have tried for years and nothing has worked. The man believed. Yeah, he had a little bit of faith, <laughs> but he also admittedly struggled with unbelief. Because of the severity of his son's condition. How many times have we struggled with unbelief? Because of the severity of a condition or a situation in our life. Can somebody be honest today? Have we ever struggled with unbelief? We trust the God of the universe for the salvation of our soul. But we won't trust him with our jobs. We won't trust him with our family. We won't trust him with our finances. And on and on we could go. See, sometimes we limit. We limit God because, see, we, we read that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of, of things unseen. And so we believe and, and, and we say, oh, I have faith in Jesus. And, and then when some situation comes crashing down on our family, we're just like this man. We struggle. and We have to say, Lord, help my unbelief. There's an analogy that's been given for years of fire and smoke. The analogy of faith's fire and the smoke of doubt or unbelief. And the reality is that when or if we are not standing in faith, if we're not living in faith, what we end up doing is we end up allowing the smoke of doubt, the smoke of discouragement, and the smoke of unbelief to rule the day. 
But folks, let me just tell you, since I just brought up this little analogy, I can assure you that wherever there's smoke, there's fire. Don't allow yourself to be distracted by the smoke show, the smoke show of unbelief. Allow yourself to focus on faith's fire because faith is that which believes. It's an assurance. It's a conviction as clearly stated in verse number one and it relates to the things that are hoped for and the things that are unseen. By the way, it can't, if we can see it, I put it in my notes, if we can see it, then it's not faith. If I can see something, it's not faith. I can see that I have a copy of God's word. That's not faith. It's there. I, I can see that. But the reality is uh, there are some things that we cannot see and that we ought to exercise a little bit of faith. Think about it this way. One day our bodies will be redeemed. Hadn't happened, I can't see it, but one day I know my body's going to be redeemed. I'm going to have a glorified body. And my wife says, can we start today? She said, can you get that, can you get that process working today, right? One day, one day the reality is our Lord's church will be perfect. But, hey, did you know, can I let you in on a secret? Battlefield Baptist Church is not the perfect church. How dare you? How dare you attack us with this? You know what? This church is filled with a bunch of needy people. This church is filled with a bunch of hurting people. This church, yes, we have good people, and we can pull out all those things. But you know what? This church is filled with people who need Jesus. Every, every day, we need Jesus. One day, his church will be perfect. One day, I had the opportunity to speak at a funeral on Friday. It was a graveside funeral. It was hot. Out in the 95-degree temperatures. And I enjoy, you're going to say this is weird, but I enjoy speaking at funerals because people get saved at funerals. And... Uh, I was reminding people on Friday that, you know, one day there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. I can't see it, but I believe it. I believe it because God said it, and for me, when God says it, that settles it. You see, uh, we cannot see things, we may not see things just yet, but we know by faith that they will occur. And we know this because God has promised certain things. And can I just remind us all that God does not lie? He does not lie. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse number 18, the Bible speaks of the fact that by two immutable, that word immutable means unchangeable, by two unchangeable things, we know that it is impossible for God to lie. Verse number 17 tells us, the verse just before tells us what those two unchangeable things are. It talks about his word and his oath. God, if he says it, that really settles it because he cannot lie. In Titus 1, in verse number 2, the Bible says God cannot lie. If you go back to Numbers 23, 19, the Bible says that God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. God doesn't lie. It's crazy to me that we'll listen to the world more than we listen to God. We'll listen more to a news show than we will to the word of God. Isn't that crazy? But that's where we live. Oh, listen. Faith, biblical faith, trusts what God has promised, and biblical faith believes what God said he'll do. Our great God and Savior is consistently true all the time. Not just on Sundays. You know he's true on Mondays when you hit 66. He's true all the time. 
Oh, listen, faith relates to the things that are hoped for, but also the things that are yet unseen. It's crazy to me, but we have faith in physical things that are not seen all the time. In fact, you may not understand it, but you're exercising faith, and some of you are going to exercise faith just as quickly as you can when you get out of these doors. You're going to exercise faith. You're going to take, and I don't have mine with me, but I'll use my office keys. You're going to take a key, or if you have one of those cars, the key just has to be in your pocket, and you're going to push a button, and you're going to have faith that that car is going to start up. You don't know how it's going to happen, but it's going to start up. You have faith that it's going to do it. Some of us, when we went to uh, Bush Gardens, we had faith that we would get off of those uh, roller coasters, didn't we? You have faith when you push the TV remote, when you push the on button, that when you push that little button, as long as the batteries in the remote are good, as long as the TV's plugged in, the TV's not broke, as long as the electricity's working, which, by the way, we don't understand that either. You see, we could go down this road of all these physical illustrations that we're exercising faith, even in physical things that are in this world. Oh, listen, it goes on with our phones. I'll be honest with you, I was talking with Krista the other day. You know one that still mesmerizes me today? And we don't use it as much anymore because we have email and we send things through email and everything. What blew my circuit breaker years ago was the fax machine. What? I can run a piece of paper through a machine. That's faith, man. And I can have some kind of picture on it, some kind of writing, some kind of contract or whatever. And you can be over on the other side of the world and then just about a minute later it's going to print out. That's faith. And we do that all the time with physical things in our life. The same should be true when it comes to our faith in spiritual things. You see, we cannot physically see God. We may not feel as though he's working, but we can be sure that he is and that he is still on his throne. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. All those who are in Jesus Christ are loved, forgiven, and destined for a glorious inheritance. As 1 Peter 1, 4 says, it is incorruptible, undefiled, it fades not away, it is reserved in heaven for us. And verse number 5 says this, by faith we are kept by the power of God through faith. There it is. Through what? Through faith. Oh, I hope you're picking up what I'm laying down. Faith knows and believes what God has revealed. And since God made himself known to Moses, he said, I am that I am. Remember, he tells him, I am that I am. Since God revealed himself to Moses and told Moses all about what was going on, and Moses recorded the book of Genesis, the creation story, the rest is history, which is why the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Thankfully, God has spoken and he has revealed himself. How has he revealed himself? He has given us, as 2 Peter 1, 4 says, exceeding and precious, great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. The reason faith is possible is because faith believes what God has revealed and faith trusts what God has promised. It's the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So here, I'm going to wrap up, give you a few applications. You're like, what? We're wrapping up? Yep, we're going to wrap it up. Here's a few applications because today's just scratching the surface. Number one application. Faith is not a, is not a capacity that only some people are born with. 
You hear that? Faith is not a capacity that only some people are born with. Faith believes, listen to this, faith believes what God has revealed and faith trusts what God has promised. And the reality is God has given the same exact revelation and the same exact promises to everyone. He's given the promises to you, to you, to you, to you, to you, all the way across. And he's given those same exact revelation and the same exact promises to me. So faith, watch it, is not a capacity that only some people are born with. Number two, faith involves personal trust based on compelling evidence. Here's the thing. Biblical faith can only be based on what God has said or what God has revealed. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Jesus, when he called his disciples, he didn't just walk up to them like I'd walk up to Chuck. He just didn't walk up and say, hey, believe. Hey, believe. He didn't say that. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 19, the Bible tells us that he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You're going to have to follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. In Matthew 9, 9, Matthew sitting at the receipt of customs, he says to Matthew, he says, follow me. He says it again to the rich young ruler. In Mark chapter 10, in verse number 21, the rich young ruler comes to Jesus. He wants to know what he has to do to inherit eternal life. And he says, man, I follow all the commandments. I knew all these great things. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. He says, that's great, but you lack one thing. Sell everything you have and come follow me. That's what he tells him at the end. See, Jesus just didn't say believe. He says, follow me and you'll understand and you'll learn more of me. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 8, just over a couple pages. Matthew chapter 8. I want you to see this. In Matthew chapter 8, when you get there, look down at verse number 23. Jesus, the scripture reveals, look at verse 23. It says, when he, speaking of Jesus, was entered into a ship, notice, his disciples what? They followed him. They follow him in the ship. Continue reading. In verse number 24, the Bible says, And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves. But he, Jesus, was asleep. You may have heard this story before, right? So Jesus takes a little siesta. The ship is tossing and turning. Look at verse number 25. And his disciples, they actually come to him. And they awake him and they say, Lord, save us. We're about to perish here. In verse 26, and he saith unto them, Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? In other words, O ye, it literally means, O ye of little confidence. Why are you fearful? In other words, don't you believe? Don't you, don't you have faith that I am who I say I am? Don't you understand that I am God? Don't you understand that I control those winds and those waves? Don't you understand that if I told you to follow me in the ship, I'm going to make sure you get over to the other side? This is what he's saying to him. Look back in the text. It says, oh, you have little faith. Then he, Jesus, arose. And it's, the Bible says that he rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, what manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him. You see, as they heard what Jesus said, and as they witnessed what Jesus did, they were compelled by the evidence of who Jesus was. When you hear what he says, and you witness what he does in the life of a believer, 
you're going to be compelled that he is who he says he is. That's why it's so incredibly important as we go out the doors that we just not shut off our, 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 our relationship with Jesus. It doesn't work that way. Like I'm going to shut off the spigot Monday through Saturday. That's why we have to go out into the world and be his representatives. And what I do know is that when they heard him, what he said, and when they witnessed what he did, they said, whoa, what is this? Even the winds and the waves and the sea, they all obey him. And you know what the reality is? They were compelled by the evidence. So much so that when you get to the end of John chapter 6, in John chapter 6, in verse number 69, Peter, the one who speaks for the group, he steps up and he says he was words. He says, we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Are you sure? Are you willing to stand up and say, we believe, we're sure that you are the son of the living God? Oh, listen, that's what it was for them. They were compelled by the evidence. But was that the end of the matter? No. Because I know some of you are thinking, well, what happened when, when Peter denied Jesus three times? Guess what? Just like you and me, he got distracted by the smoke of doubt, the smoke of unbelief. It wasn't focused on his faith in that moment. And sometimes we allow ourselves to get distracted. But the reality is, their journey of faith wasn't perfect at times. And I got news for you. Our journey of faith will not be perfect at times. It's difficult. Sometimes we feel like we can't even get out of the valley of the shadow of death. We see other people having mountaintop experiences and we're like, God, why can't I experience some of that? Why do I have to go through this and that and the other? When are you going to do something in my life? And if we're not careful, those difficult seasons of life will cause us to doubt. Those difficult seasons of life will bring us to a point of unbelief if we're not careful. Which is why we have to base our faith on what he has said and what he does and what he has done. Because it is compelling evidence. At the end of John's gospel, he gives us the purpose for what was being communicated in John chapter 20 and verse 20, uh, 30 and 31, here's what John says. He says, And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written. Notice why he says, he says, But these are written that you might, you see it? That you might believe or have faith that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believing you might have life through his name. In other words, John was saying this gospel, and quite honestly, all the gospel accounts have been recorded and passed on to give you, here in 2023, the same compelling evidence. The same compelling evidence that we heard and that we witnessed with our very own eyes. Why? It's been given to you so that you, here in 2023, can actually believe the same thing. You can believe that Jesus is the Christ. So what do we do with it? Well, number one, if you haven't exercised faith in the risen Savior of the world, I want you to know Jesus is inviting you right now. He's inviting you right now. You say, I've heard a lot about faith. I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I've never trusted Christ. Jesus is inviting you 
His Spirit, through His Spirit and through the Word of God, is inviting you right now to trust what He has done for you on the cross. He's inviting you to believe what He says right now rather than what the devil says, what the world says, what maybe even your own conscience might be saying. He says, believe me, I am the Son of God. Instead of believing a lie, He wants you to take that step of faith by turning from sin and trusting Him as your Savior. Finally, application as believers, we can celebrate the fact that faith will enable us to endure under extreme pressure. Look at verse number two. I didn't talk a lot about verse number two, but I'll close by pointing out. Verse number two says, for by it, for by it, the elders or forefathers, not talking about leaders in the church, it's talking about forefathers, it says, for by it, the elders obtained a good report. The it here is that's being spoken of is faith. Saying for by faith, right? They obtained a, re, a, a, a good report. God's word doesn't commend them because they lived perfect lives. No, it says, hey, for by it, for by faith, they received a good report. They were commended for exercising faith. And the examples throughout the rest of this chapter highlight the assurance and confidence and conviction of these Old Testament saints that they actually believed God when they could not even see the answer. You know, you may not see the answer that you want to see today, but I can assure you God is on his throne. Oh, do we have faith? Do we have that assurance, that confidence, that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen? Oh, listen, they believed when they could not see the answer, and as a result of their faith, it was credited to their account for righteousness. To kind of point back to Hebrews chapter 10, the reality today is, folks, I hate to say this, but like those of old, you and I may have to endure great, a great fight of afflictions. It's 2023, and as I look around, things seem to be, we, we, we laughingly sometimes, it's a serious thing, we say it's crazy times, we're living in some wicked times too. And the reality is, the persecution that is being faced all over the world is coming to a theater near you. We may have to endure a fight of affliction in our own life before the Lord calls us home. We may be publicly exposed. You may be publicly exposed and reproached and afflicted and publicly shamed. You know there's a lot of shaming going on these days. If you don't agree with what the world wants you to agree with, you are publicly shamed. I got news for you. The world wants nothing to do with Jesus Christ. But it doesn't stop our mandate to go out and to share that love and that truth with people. Nonetheless, but we may be publicly exposed with reproaches and afflictions. We may have to take joyfully the plundering or the spoiling of our possessions, our homes or whatever. Who knows what may happen in the future? But with great confidence, I know that we can endure. We can endure because Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 38 teaches us that the just, that we can live by faith. If you look at the end of Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 38, the Bible talks about this whole chapter is packed full of people who exercise faith. But when you get to the end, it talks about others who by faith, that they actually wandered in deserts. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in dens and in caves in the earth. They were wandering 
around the world, all over the earth, they, they could not see the promise. They did not have the promise, but they believed, they trusted God. And so they wandered. In verse number 37, just prior, the Bible says some of them were stoned. Some of them were sawn asunder. Do you know what the word sawn asunder means? That, that, that phrase there, it means they were cut in half. They were cut in half because of their faith. They were sawn asunder. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. We had no idea of knowing, but as we were reminded last week, as Brother Sam preached from Hebrews chapter 12, in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 3, we were reminded that Jesus endured such a contradiction against himself, lest you and I be wearied and faint in our minds. So what are we to do? What are we to do? What are we to do with this faith, what it is and what it does? Well, as, as Hebrews chapter 12, 1 says, we need to continue to run the race that's set before us. There's a race that each and every one of us have been given. And some of our races are long, some of our races are shorter. The reality is no matter how long the race is, we're to keep on running it. And the only way that we can run it effectively is to run it by faith. In fact, verse number 2 of Hebrews chapter 12 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our what? The author and the finisher of our what? That's who we look to. Are you in need of endurance? Well, celebrate the fact that you can have endurance in Christ as we look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Oh, yes, it's, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen because it believes what Jesus has revealed and it trusts what he has promised. And that faith, that belief, that trust is based on compelling evidence. Can I tell you, there's more than enough evidence to, to show you that Jesus Christ died for our sin. He loved you so much that he willingly laid his own life down. He came down despising the shame and he took upon himself the form uh, or the fashion of a man, if you please. And he became obedient obedient unto death, the death of the cross. And he did this out of his great love for you and for me. And so faith in that can be based on what he has said, but also what he has done. It's compelling. If you've never called out upon the name of the Lord, I encourage you right now. We're going to have music begin to play. Listen, you can pray quietly unto yourself. Man, I'll pray with you. I know there's others here who pray with you. Say, I don't even know what I'm doing. Can I just tell you? Call out upon the name of the Lord. The Bible says that if we do that, we will be saved. Not because we're great, but because he is great. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word, God. And certainly as we begin to scratch the surface of looking at faith for today, faith that we need, the fact that we struggle many times with doubt and unbelief, Lord, help us to, to continue to base our faith on what you have said and to trust what you have promised. Oh, Lord, one day, for those who have called upon the name of the Lord, one day we will see you as you are. Oh, Lord, I pray that you will hasten that day. Lord, I pray that you'll strengthen us, that you'll give us strength to endure in these difficult days in which we live. 
Lord, I pray for the one who may be here who has contemplated faith but has never actually exercised faith. Lord, I pray that they'll do it right now, that they'll call upon the name of the Lord, and then they'll ask Jesus to become their Lord and Savior. Lord, we love you. We praise you for what you'll do as we sing this song of invitation, as we have a quiet time of prayer. Lord, I pray that you'll be honored, that you'll be glorified, and we'll give you the praise for all that you'll do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.